0: welcome to the boneyard with steve robertson as always i am your good friend and host steve robertson here on the magnificent monday edition of the yard i'm actually not back in starkville just yet i got some uh, some plans monday in hattiesburg and so i'm actually in hattiesburg right now uh recording the show made the uh, two and a half hour drive from baton rouge up here and then i'll uh I'll drive back uh, Monday night and be in town Tuesday for the Bulldogs to take on North Alabama. We'll talk about that a little bit later. A lot of baseball stuff to talk about, some basketball stuff to talk about, some recruiting stuff to talk about. But before I get into all that, I want to share with you guys, too, some things that I have learned about the first few spring practices. You know, we had a chance to uh, to meet with Mike Leach uh, here a couple days ago, and it was a, f- a football media opportunity on Saturday, I know uh, Austin Williams spoke as, far, as well as Aaron Brulé. But I have spoken to some of your coaches, uh, you know, kind of uh, in, in passing, I guess you could say, just kind of off the cuff a little bit, not a formal interview. The early returns from spring practice, very good. I understand from several people that we are pitching and, catch, and catching very, very well. That Will Rogers is having a good camp. Jack Abraham is having a good camp. That Jaden Wiley has really taken a jump. Uh, Makai Polk is doing a good job I know those are things that you want to hear and we hope to get a little more information uh, from Mike Leach later this week but a lot of discussion about the offensive proficiency really beginning to kind of increase Mike Leach shared with us on Thursday that the midnight maneuvers was a much bigger success this year spoken to a couple of coaches, and they, they concur with that assessment. They say a lot of it's because last year nobody knew what to expect. And so many of those guys that were around last year really attacked it this year, kind of understanding what was expected of them. Now Tyson Brown added a few more wrinkles this year, you know, some new challenges and things like that. But guys have embraced this process, and they understand that part of getting better Uh, begins in spring practice as you guys are well aware we will have a spring game an annual maroon and white game as part of super bulldog weekend there was some discussion that we may not mike leach not a huge fan of uh, public spring games but we're going to do that and uh, i know you guys are eager to kind of see the bulldogs in action i suspect most of that will be scripted though we'll have a good time with some of that but it won't be you know all-out football, but it'll be a chance for you to see the guys get out there and throw it around a little bit. A lot of newcomers on the roster. I know you guys are eager to see play at Davis Wade. That's one thing about having the uh, the delayed season in 2020 is you know, just before we get, you know, but just as we start missing football, it's back again. You know, we played into December this year, and then we had the bowl game, of course, the Armed Forces Bowl that we won in Fort Worth, Texas, and now here we are in spring practice. And so there hasn't been an incredible amount of offseason. You know, we went right from, you know, the bowl game to, uh, you know, the, the stretch run for recruiting, signing in February. And then now here we are in spring practice. And then we'll get to Bulldog weekend. And then we'll be into, you know, the June evaluations, probably July evaluations. So there will be a lot of football talk this year and how great is it to talk football this time last year you know we were talking about yeah they're definitely going to play football and there were a lot of people in the national media that were saying football's not going to happen there's no way to play safely well we did and then there's no record of any player to player transmissions from playing football at least on the field of play you know of course there are you guys that go to barbecues and things like that and guys just interact each other on a daily basis there was some of that but you know, there was none of this where one team had COVID and gave it to another that we're aware of. I think, again, it goes back to there are a lot of people out there in many respects were so invested in their narrative that they almost wanted there to be some drama to kind of back up their point of view. Uh, I don't think we should ever hope that anybody gets sick, ever. And uh, I, I know it's one of those things, too, that uh, I'm not going to post my uh, vaccine records on Facebook. I don't know if that uh, lessens the uh the strength of the the vaccine or not but i'll be vaccinated later this week and uh you know i encourage you to make your own decision about all of that but uh, there's a lot of people out there you know you, you can't fly if you're not vaccinated i'm a guy that likes going to congregated places and i have not i've been to one rock show in a year and uh, so i'm jones in a little bit and so i'm ready to kind of get back out there and do some things and uh, i know a lot of people have strong opinions about this but do your own research make your own decision But I'm I'm eager to get back to uh, some normalcy in many respects. I I think that's one of the things that needs to happen. Of course, numbers continue to kind of come down. And this time last year, we weren't sure what to expect. Who knew we were basically going to go all spring and summer without any major sports. Then they get the NBA stuff together, and now here we are now, spring football. It just feels a little different. And this past weekend, you know, with SEC playing baseball, It felt a little more like home. I think it's important to kind of understand how far we've come. It's easy to get caught up in what we don't have when we lose sight of what we lost this time last year. You know, Remember, we were getting ready to host Arkansas, and they canceled. And LSU was getting on a bus to go to Oxford, and they had to get their gear off the bus. And next thing you know, the weekend was canceled and ultimately the season. And a lot of it out of that whole uh, phrase, an abundance of caution that we're not big fans of, but it was interesting to see the pictures around the country this weekend for college baseball. You know, we'll be at home at Duty Noble Field this weekend, and uh, I think you're going to see a lot more Bulldog fans in the stands. You know, we had, we've had some decent crowds. We hadn't had these capacity crowds. But I know a lot of you are non-season ticket holders and you just want to get some general admission tickets to go stand somewhere and kind of enjoy the festivities at Duty Noble Field. Let me prepare you for a couple things. There is no guarantee that you're going to be able to just walk around in the left-field lounge like always. Now, that, that, now, John Cohen and the administration may come out tomorrow and say differently. I'm not anticipating that. And let me tell you one of the reasons why. One of the things that I have heard from our season ticket holders and our rig holders out there is there are a lot of people that don't want to have a family reunion where they have to feed everybody. And there are some people out there that's like, hey, the more the merrier. But not everybody feels that way. Not everybody feels that way. Those people, you know, they pay a lot of money for those rigs. Uh, They cook out for their family and their friends. And so they want to enjoy as much of that as they can. But they don't necessarily want, you know, an army of strangers coming by and eating up all their hamburgers and their steaks and things of that nature. And so those people's voice deserves to be heard. You know, if they're paying for that space, then they should have some say-so in, you know, kind of how all that's worked. And so let's say there's a bunch of general admission tickets sold this week. And you can go uh, stand around the chair rail, the drink rail, as they call it, and kind of congregate in those areas. Hey, that's cool. But I don't necessarily know if that means. You can go out there and just kind of hang out in the rigs like you always have. And I'm eager to see what John and them decide here in the days ahead. Old Miss, of course, Uh, had a home weekend, had students out there kind of piled on top of each other. And so I think in some ways maybe it paves the way. I think we were kind of fortunate to be on the road because we can kind of see how some other SEC teams are kind of handling this and not necessarily having to be the guinea pig. But uh, I do suspect that you're going to see some general admission uh, ticketing for Arkansas weekend. And that's kind of been the discussion ever since Tate Reeves – uh, lifted those restrictions and you know what let's give it a couple weeks kind of see how things go and we kind of ramp this thing up and kind of in hope of uh you know, being closer you know to full capacity when we get ready to play Arkansas so expect some directives from John Cohen in the Mississippi State Athletic Department this week maybe as early as Monday I haven't heard for sure you know when we'll know I know they were doing their due diligence and kind of reaching out to uh you know, to athletic directors around the conference this week just kind of kind of see how things went, kind of see what they allowed and that sort of stuff. And it's not that I think Mississippi State is scared of anything, but I think it's, it's good to learn from other people when other people have kind of, you know, had this opportunity to kind of bring fans in and learn from, okay, this worked for us, this didn't work for us. And so hopefully that makes things a little easier, uh, you know, as far as the transition goes this week. But we need a lot of people there. You know, for Arkansas. We really do. it's a big weekend. I'm excited about what happened in Baton Rouge as a guy that lived in Baton Rouge for, uh, for 16 years. went over to Alex Box Stadium many times to watch the Bulldogs lose. And so when we get time we get a chance to win down there, it is special. and you heard me talk about it on Friday. LSU is and has been our measuring stick for a long time. And we've had some really good teams, and all of a sudden we play them, and then they sweep us, or they win a series. And it's a reminder that we're not quite there. And then we hope to avoid them in Hoover. We hope to avoid them in a Super Regional. I mean, you guys remember back in 2017, you know, we were a team that overachieved. And we played LSU really tough, and we ended up having to go down there for a Super Regional. And we all knew once we won that Regional at Southern Miss, in the back of our minds, we all knew we're going down to LSU, we're going to lose. We knew it because they were simply better than us. And as I said on Friday, Mississippi State is better than LSU, and we proved it this weekend down at Alex Box Stadium. We're going to break the whole weekend down. I'm eager to talk about it. I'm excited to talk about it. Yeah, I would have absolutely loved the sweep because, I listen, I think we've got a team capable of winning the SEC this year. I think we have a team capable of being a top eight national seed this year based on the strength of our pitching staff. We've got just enough offense, and I think we're going to get better as we kind of move along now that we're seeing some SEC pitching, and Jake Gotro and those guys will make some adjustments. People forget Chris Monos is a great hitting coach too. So we will get some things figured out. The offense is going to come around. We're going to get caught up there. But, you know, we've got a lot of pitching. We, it didn't work out for us as well on Sunday as we had hoped, but the, the bottom line is this, is pitching wins when it gets time to go to Omaha. If you recall, go back and look at, you know, our last two trips. I mean, you know, runs are at a premium. And so you've got to be able to go out there and match zeros with people. And we have the the ability to do that. And we demonstrated that this weekend uh, down at LSU. I think we also learned a valuable lesson on Sunday. And so we'll speak about that as well. I want to remind you guys, too, if you hadn't done so, go to Bulldog Burger Company, great people. Great food, great prices, great atmosphere. You know what fan of them I am. Long before they became sponsors of the show, I was a fan of Bulldog Burger Company and jumped at the chance to partner with those guys. Two locations now to serve you right here on University Drive in Stark, Vegas, and on Gloucester Street there in Tupelo. Go by, have the spring rolls. That is the best appetizer in Starkville proper. And I'm hearing rumors also in Tupelo that the spring rolls are a big hit there as well. Go buy, check them out, have them. to make you and everybody around you better looking. And then you can enjoy having a great restaurant-quality hamburger. And you know what you say, Steve, listen, the kids like the burgers. Uh, I'm a little more health conscious. Have that BLT salad. It'll, it'll change your life. Go have the full of bologna. That's one of the new burgers. You can have that tuna burger as well. And then, you know, the, there's that, that new grilled chicken club. And that's one of those things, too, that's kind of a can't-miss item. You know, there's sometimes there are things that come along. just scratch you exactly where you itch and that's that grilled chicken club go check it out bulldog burger company the place for people in stargill and now tupelo go to meat m-e-a-t all right let's talk baseball let's uh let's start with friday because i think we learned a little bit about our team in every single game christian mcleod is back simple as that i don't know if i can put it any plainer we we saw last weekend that he was the guy that uh, had done a great job. And we're like, you know what, he's got SEC play next weekend. How's that going to work out? Well, he answered the bell. We had a little trouble in the first inning. We did. But we pitched around it. And I really thought Christian really, really bore down. Of course, it's weird being on the road at times and State hitting first because we're kind of used to, you know, being the home team. And we go one, two, three that first inning. And then, you know, McLeod comes out. And, we, you know, we get a couple of quick outs. We get the pop-up. We get a strikeout. We're thinking, okay, we're going to put up a zero here, too. And then we walk a guy, and there's the you know, there's the throwing error on, on the pitcher, McLeod. <laughs> and then we walk again. Next thing, the bases are loaded. We're thinking, you know what, we had a chance to get out of here without any trouble. And then the bases are loaded. And what does Christian do? He gets a three-pitch strikeout. Absolutely remarkable there. Excuse me, four-pitch strikeout. And uh, never threw a ball the entire at-bat. Struck out Thompson. So we're out of the jam there, but you're thinking, you know what? They threatened. We go one, two, three in the second. And then McLeod really starts the deal here. They go one, two, three in the second. You get a single, and you get the double play there. And that was Beloso bunting against the shift. That's the single there. And I saw some people, too, like, oh, I hope that's the end of the shift. No, it's not, nor should it be. Because one time somebody is able to get a bunt down against the shift, we're going to go ahead and stop what's working. I assume you hadn't watched many Mississippi State games because when we basically put Brule out in short field and we'll put Cam James at the middle, and then we pitch into it and people head into the shift, why would we change what's working? It's like, oh, I hope that's it for the shift. No, no, Chris, don't do it. Don't listen to any of that social media commentary. You do you, baby. All right, so we come back out in the third. We have a chance to kind of get some things going here. And uh, Hatcher grounds out, and then Skinner singles up the middle there, his first of three hits on the night. Four-size single, and there you go. There's the bottom half of that order. We talk about championship-caliber teams. They get rallies started in the bottom third. You get guys down there that flip the lineup over, and here we are getting an opportunity to do it. You got your eight- and nine-hole hitters both getting on base, and then Scotty DeBrule grounds into a double play. Uh I'm, I haven't run the numbers on this, but it seems to me like Scotty DeBrowell's batting average, I believe, has gone down about 60 points since we moved him to leadoff. And, again, this goes back to some of our uh, social media coaching. It's like Braylon Skinner has one good night. Oh, let's go ahead and put him at leadoff. No, no, no. Relax, relax, relax. All right, so then LSU goes one, two, three. And now and all of a sudden we're dealing. We get a fly out to center. We get a couple punch outs. Excuse me, a couple of K swinging. And McLeod seems to be on top of the game. We come back out in the fourth, and we threaten again. We get Rowdy on with the hit by pitch, and then we get a ground out. We advance him in the second. So we get a runner in scoring position with less than two outs. Cam James, and then, uh, you know, hits a ball to the right side, moves the runner, and then they walk Luke Hancock. You know, he get, they get behind in an the count, and then eventually just put him on with four. And I believe he's walked 19 times now, which is ridiculous. And then Logan Tanner strikes out swinging. So, again, we, we strand a runner there. Guess what LSU does? 1-2-3, 1-2-3, 1-2-3. Not a single ball thrown in this half inning for Christian McLeod. That's it. You get an 0-1 pop-up. You get an 0-2 strikeout swinging. You get an 0-2 strikeout swinging. Not a single ball thrown in the frame. Incredible. So, finally, in the fifth, we break through. Hatcher gets a double to left, and the much maligned Josh Hatcher, I thought Josh actually had a really good uh, couple of days, Friday and Saturday, not so much on Sunday. But Hatcher starts the rally with a double, and then Skinner absolutely blasts a first-pitch fastball from Jaden Hill about 20 rows deep out in right field there. I don't think anybody expected that. I've done some checking. I think there were 16 inter-squad scrimmages in the fall, Braylon Skinner didn't even hit a home run in the inner squad and then he hits that tank to kind of get us going and the way that McLeod was pitching I think everybody in the stadium thought all oh, that just might do it and you know what it nearly did Forsyth and K swinging Bro grounds out Rowdy Jordan grounds out but now all of a sudden McLeod's got you know a two nothing lead here and it really felt like about five or six nothing you know what I'm saying it just kind of felt like the way that McLeod was dealing, that LSU was in really big trouble here. So he comes back out for the fifth. to get a fly out, a pop out, and a K swinging. And, again, another one of these things where we don't get deep in counts until the final guy. They pinch hit uh, Travinsky from Malazzo, but you get Beloso on a one-out fly out, and then you get Cranford to pop up on the first pitch. So it's a really short inning. You do go full with Travinsky and then eventually get him to K. We come back out in the sixth. We go one, two, three, and then they come back in the sixth. And again, it's one of these things where you start kind of figuring out that uh, you know McLeod is on top of his game. And then we make a big mistake defensively that costs us a run. And I thought Christian deserved a little bit better. And and I've seen some people say, "Well, it's because of the shift." No, it's not. It wasn't at all because of the shift. And so you get Cruz to strike out swinging. Morgan flies out. There's two outs. We're going to get out of this deal. It's an 0-2 count on uh, Cade Doty, and then he pops up to short right field. Tanner Allen will tell you he should have had it. There was some miscommunication between him and De Brule couldn't quite get there. The ball falls in beneath them. and next thing you know, Dugas hits a frozen rope to right that drives in the run, and then we get out of there uh, with a K swinging on Sanford. And so we gift them a run right there. It's 2-1, and we're thinking, you know, we've played as well as we have, And McLeod has pitched this great, and now here we are, we've given them a run. That little duck snort that dropped in, ended a streak of 13 consecutive retired by Christian McLeod against one of the top offenses in the country. You want to know if he's back? There's your answer right there. And a lot of those were swinging. A lot of those were weak contact. A lot of those were pop-ups, ground outs. It wasn't like they were just stinging the ball up there, and the wind was knocking everything down. He was getting light contact. So we get to the seventh, and we do what great teams do. We gave up a run that we shouldn't have. We answer and take the lead right back out. Uh, Logan Tanner opens up with a full-count walk, and then guess what? Josh Hatcher doubles again. Niners, runners, should have been runners to second, third. Cheese got a little bit excited there. I saw a lot of second-guessing here, and I got it. Listen, I'd love to have second, and third with nobody out. But in the moment there, you're thinking, okay, they kind of mishandled a little bit and left there. Let's make them throw us out. They're going to have to make a great relay. They did, and Logan Tanner was out probably five six feet. And so I get it. I see both sides of it. But sometimes you know when you're in, when you're in a situation where you're trying to knock somebody out, you got to force them to make a play. Well, to LSU's credit, they did. It it didn't hurt us in the long run. But I kind of understand being a little bit conservative there because two men in scoring position. With less than two outs, you gotta feel like you know what we can get a run or two home here. Well, we do because then all of a sudden Skinner goes back and gets his third hit of the night, drives one changeup back up the middle, and that chases Hatcher home. And you know, and people say, well, you know what, Steve, if we held the runner, it'd be four to one. Well, you don't know that because the whole sequence changes because now all of a sudden maybe you're not throwing that changeup, maybe you're maybe you're pitching around him a little bit. And kind of forcing him to chase because maybe you're willing to walk him because it sets up a force. I understand. Well, you want to load the bases. You just simply never know what uh, Allen Dunn and those guys would have done in that situation with a base open and runners at second and third. You just simply don't know. It, the whole sequence going to change. You can't assume that you were going to get that other run. And then now uh, you know Skinner still second, which is uh, you're probably going to see a lot more than that. And then Forsyth grounds out, and then uh, Brule flies out. Scotty didn't have a great weekend. So now we bring in Brandon Smith after six great innings from Christian McLeod. And, again, Christian deserved a lot better uh, than he got just because of that bad sequence when we dropped the pop fly. But Brandon said, don't worry about it, C-Mac. I got you. I'm going to pick you up here. And Brandon Smith absolutely dominated the rest of this ballgame. LSU comes in, 1-2-3 against Smith, Absolutely phenomenal effort there. We go back in the eighth and uh, basically put the game away. This was the turning point in the ballgame. This was the inning that we said, you know what, this thing is done. So Rowdy opens up with a single. Then Tanner Allen singles through there, and we got runners at first and second. Cam James then singles, and the bases are loaded. Hancock flies out uh, to right field, but it wasn't deep enough to get the run home. Logan Tanner singles through the left side, chases home two runs. Hatcher K swinging. And that's what's funny is people, oh, he, he, he messed up in that situation. He had two doubles earlier in the ballgame. Let's, let's not act like the guy's not contributing because he is. And then Skinner's hit by the pitch. He's on base again. Bases are loaded. Four size singles. It's basically a little tap out there. And uh, we get another run home. So now it's a 6-1 ballgame. It's just kind of a matter of what the final margin is going to be. LSU comes out in the eighth, makes their last big challenge of the ball game uh trevinsky k's swinging cruz gets a single and then morgan reaches on a fielder's choice they initially called him out and then they review it and he's safe and then uh k Doty uh, grounds out the inning is over and he's over i guess i guess i miss up there they forced a the runner a second couldn't complete the double play let me make sure i get that right watch a lot of baseball this weekend so now we go to the ninth, and State goes 1-2-3. I, I take that back. Rowdy Jordan did get on with the error, and then, um, then after that, it was not. we didn't do much with that. But it's a 6-1 ballgame. We're just trying to get out of town, and Brennan Smith goes 1-2-3. And, again, never got into a deficit count here. You got a ground out with on the very first pitch. Sanford Case on a 2-2 two, two pitch, and then Thompson Case uh, on a 1-2 pitch. And so absolutely phenomenal pitching effort. Really made LSU look pedestrian. Uh, and that's you know, I expected us to do a good job with the wind blowing in. I don't know that I fully appreciated the effort we would get. Uh, ball game two hours and thirty two minutes. Brewin Skinner's the hero on offense, but in looking at the pitching numbers here. And again, remember this is this is an LSU team at Legion Nation home runs. Uh, Christian goes six innings, three hits, one run. Shouldn't have happened. Uh, nine Ks, two walks. Got seven fly outs, one ground out on 77 pitches and then you got brandon smith comes in and this is what we talk about having sync on pitches we talk about getting under barrels and kind of changing the barrel angle uh you know people are trying especially with lsu the free swingers they are brandon smith three innings pitch allowed one hit when the game was decided three k's no walks six ground outs zero flyouts. So, when I hear all this talk about, well, the wind beat the ball down, you know what, when the game was on the line, you guys could not even get the ball out of the infield, right? So, that's game one. We win that one, and we beat Jaden Hill, who is, uh, if you, listen, for those of you that were seeing him for the first time, that's a big league guy, all right? Now, listen, he's he's having trouble finishing hitters, but he's got big league stuff, and he really does. And our our we were very patient offensively, and we made him really work for it. They were kind of hesitant to go to the bullpen, and we made them pay and that's what good teams do these are how friday night games are going to go i mean sometimes i read some of this commentary on social media and i think some of our fans have never seen a college baseball game before it's not football you know we got to get them out 27 times they got to get us out 27 times it's a long game and sometimes all the hits and runs come in one inning you know maybe it's too slow for you maybe you need to go back and watch basketball or something but Baseball is a long game that is filled with strategy, and there are things that happen. There's a lot of nuance in the game. You learn something from every at bat. You know, a guy may strike you out with a change up this time. You look for it the next time. It's a game of adjustments all throughout the game, all throughout the season, all throughout the weekend. So let's uh, you know, let's kind of remember that as we move forward. All right, let's look at game two, and this is the one. you know, Listen. This is the game that I worried the least about. I was worried about Friday because of McLeod being the lefty facing all those right-handers. Today's podcast is brought to you by NerdWallet's Smart Money Podcast. What's the best way to help you and your finances thrive? The answer can be overwhelming with all the financial misinformation out there. Fortunately, you can turn to NerdWallet's objective finance journalists to set things straight and help you make smart decisions with your own money. The nerds have helped me get smarter about things like planning for my tax bill so I don't dread April every single year, managing finances with a partner without causing a breakup, putting away more money for retirement since I'm not going to do this podcast forever. Sorry, folks. And also boosting my credit score since good credit is like a real-life cheat code. Saving for an emergency fund because life is like a good movie. It loves a good plot twist. The nerds also explained the real impact that the latest financial headlines could have on your life. Get ready to roll, man. And uh, I remember being a kid. That was like the biggest highlight for us. My grandmother would get us tickets every year. And me and my brother would wear our cowboy outfits. We'd put our boots on, have our chaps, our vest. And we'd go up there. And just in case one of the cowboys got a little bit scared to get on a horse or a bull, we were willing to do it. Yeah, for sure. Guys, boots aren't just. Just. For going out to a country western bar And doing a little boot scoot Maybe you got a little Texas two-step in your game Tacovas can make you look better than ever Absolutely And here's the deal too That's the thing The versatility of Tacovas Is you can wear them somewhere nice Or you can live life where you don't go gently That's what Tacovas does for you Yeah, it's a rugged, handsome boot It's my favorite boot brand And it should be yours too And I thought that matchup might, if he wasn't on his game, it could be trouble for us. So we dominate the Friday game. I really felt good about Saturday all week long, even though Landon Marceau was going. I just felt like we would do just enough, and I thought Bednar would come out breathing fire and do a great job for us. That's exactly what happened. Bednar, again, some first-inning trouble, but we pitch around it. And, you know, of course, we start, you know (laughs) – we go out there, K looking, K swinging, and then Tanner gets a single, breaks up the no-hitter, right? And then Cam James hits into the fielder's choice. So we didn't do much in our our half, but then we give a a single to shortstop. Should have been an error. That was a hometown call. That's, that's the LSU homers down there trying to get their guys on the all-SEC team. All due respect to Lane Forsythe, that was an error. And then there's a single to left field, so it's like all of a sudden they got runners at first and second, uh, excuse me, on runners on the corner and then he gets Kay Doty to Kay swinging. Kay Doty absolutely destroyed UT San Antonio last week and uh, was you know, one of the better players in the country. and then we get the double play ball and we get out of it. And that was really the last time that I watched you challenged for much of the ball game. We go one two, three in a second, they go one, two three in a second. Uh, we come back we get we, we get a walk and they kind of work around that and uh, doesn't hurt them. Uh, LSU goes one, two, three in the third. We get one single in the fourth, can't do anything with it. Actually, Cam James gets caught stealing there, and the throw was so bad it took the shortstop into the runner, and so he kind of tagged Cam as he's coming by. I mean, it was awful. I mean, it's just it was, that, that happened twice. It, we were just kind of a little bit unlucky there that the throw brought the, the tag into the runner because more times than not you're going to make that, and they're, they're just trying to keep it on the infield. LSU goes one, two, three in the fourth. Not even a full a full count in the uh, in the inning there. Finally, in the fifth, we break through and a great job of manufacturing a run. Logan Tanner gets on a walk. You sack Bunny around. Now all of a sudden you've got a runner at second with less than two outs. What do you know? They make an error at short. Now we got runners on first and third and Forsyth. Uh, puts the ball out there to right center, and we get the sack fly and get the run home. Great job by the freshman there, finding something to elevate, understanding the situation, great situational hitting there. A lot of young guys go out there just thinking, let's got to put it in play. He was smart, stayed back, looked for something to elevate, knew that he could get the run home uh, with the fly ball. Great job by him. And it was one nothing. in the way Bednar was pitching. It really felt huge. But it just felt like we weren't done. Even though Marceau was dealing pretty good here, it just kind of felt like, you know what, we can eventually get to this guy. And the fact of the matter is we never did. But we did find a way to build the lead against that bullpen. All right, in the fifth, um, they go one, two, and finally get a hit. And, again, that ended another streak of 13 consecutive retired by a Mississippi State pitcher, absolutely dominating the middle innings of these games. And then we get Milazzo to strike out there. Uh, We go one, two, three in the sixth, and then – we bring in Preston Johnson, his first SEC action. I'm a big Preston Johnson fan, and it's just a matter of him getting some reps and getting some experience. I, I thought he was a little shaky at times, kind of got behind some hitters, but he figured it out. You get Cruz to pop up. You do walk Morgan. You get a foul out uh, outside of first, and then we get got a fly out. Get out of that first inning with Preston. We go in the top of seven. Uh, we get a line-out, a walk, a fly-out, and a ground-out. So we're not doing much with it, but it felt like it was really getting late so any run would be magnified. In the seventh, we get an out, an out, and then we walk a guy, and then Preston battles back and gets case swinging. So Preston's done his job. He's held the game right there at one nothing. We get into the eighth, and this is when Mississippi State picked up a huge insurance run. They bring in Helmers, and a lot of LSU people are upset about that. I thought the kid actually pitched pretty well. I think marceau is outstanding I, that's one thing i look at these lsu guys and i think their one and two is as good as anybody else they didn't have the offense last night but when they play when they when they face good pitching rather than elite pitching they're going to win those games because marceau and hill are going to keep them in games and this offense as the weather heats up as we saw on sunday that offense is going to heat up too i'm glad we got them early i'm glad we got them when it was gray and overcast wind blowing a little bit But here we are in the eighth against the bullpen, scratching out an important insurance run. And what happens again? Lead-off walk. First guy Helmer sees as Braylon Skinner walks him. Uh, Forsyth strikes out swinging. Really good at bat, though. That's one thing about the kid I'll say. He never looks overwhelmed in the moment. He really works hard. Very scrappy guy at the plate. And DeBruyne... You know, grounds out to the pitcher. We advance the runner, works as good as a bunt, and then Skinner takes third on a wild pitch. And those are those that's the game within the game, right? Helmers spikes the breaking ball. Skinner's at second because of the fact that he gets a good break on the ball because De hits one that it's impossible to get a double play on. So you move a runner and then you take advantage of a mistake. Now you've got a runner at third and less than two outs. Rowdy's up there. He told me post game he was sitting on the fastball. He got a changeup and just kind of redirected into the outfield, drives in the run. When that run scored, you know, you kind of felt like, you know what, we're more than one swing away from a tie here. You bring in Lennon Sims, and you know what that means more times than not. It usually means the game is over. They bring in Travin'sky. he Ks. Cruz gets a single, but it doesn't hurt us. We get a foul out behind third. Cruz goes to second on the wild pitch, and then we get Dowdy to single the shortstop. They, they called him out at first. This is the one they reviewed, and he was safe. He was safe. That's where replay actually works. I know a lot of our fans didn't like it. Uh, the replay that we saw in the booth showed that he, you know, he beat it by about maybe a half step. And, and some, there's another thing I want to talk about, and it seems like it, is there's an epidemic this year. And I've even seen some high school coaches talk about this, and it blows my mind. Uh, a tie doesn't go to the runner at first base. He has to beat the throw to first. A tie at first goes to the defense. So either you're out or you're safe. So he has to beat the throw to be safe at first. Well, he did, and so he was safe. And then we get to ground out to third. Great play there. And so we get out of it They leave a couple on base. Their last big challenge, we get into the ninth, and we weren't done. And this is, again, what great teams do. They just keep attacking, and that's exactly what happened Kim James flies out, and we get a walk to Luke Hancock, and then Logan Tanner doubles to right. Now you've got runners at second and third. Hatcher grounds out to second. We get that ground ball to the right side, drives the run home. Now it's 3 nothing, and it felt like an insurmountable lead with Landon Sims on the hill. He goes out there, gets a 1-2-3 ninth, and the ballgame is over, and Mississippi State has won the series. Now, here's one thing that I think is important to kind of look at this in context. We had lost... 12 of 13 series to LSU. 12 of 13. The last one that we won was in 16. We've had some really good Mississippi State teams get embarrassed by LSU because they've been better than us. I told you guys on Friday we were better than them. We proved it. Anything that happened on Sunday was going to be a bonus. But like all of you, I got up on Sunday thinking, man, I really want to win the SEC this year. I really want to be a top eight national seed we got to find a way to get a win because, you know, a sweep in the SEC feels like ten games. You know what I'm saying? Because, like, like, we beat LSU two games out of three. We're only a game ahead of them in the standings. And you get a road sweep in the SEC, it feels like everything. Because we have very five very winnable series at our place we expect to take. And I think really when you look around this – The schedule, you say, and the only one I'm really worried about is Vanderbilt. And so all of a sudden, if you could sweep LSU, you're thinking, you know what? We just need to take a game at Vanderbilt. We're probably going to win the SEC. So I got up today thinking, man, if we can find a way to make this thing happen. Because LSU is going to get better, and that's only going to help our RPI and our strength of schedule, but also, too, we'll have LSU. We'll have a three-game lead on them, and then have them kind of running some interference and working for us. You know take a game from Arkansas, take two games from Ole Miss, take a game from Vandy. you know what I'm saying, and so it's like we knew they weren't going to be able to catch us without us really just falling apart and I don't you, know, you look at it, you say it's going to be difficult for us to get swept with if our pitching holds up, and so we missed a big opportunity on on Sunday because of that, but I think we learned some things about our ball club, and I think and I'm gonna speak frankly about it there's no other it's not the Boy Scouts right. this is a southeastern conference, and so we bring. Eric Sarantola out there. And, uh, you know, again, we struggled in the first inning again. And we did. We we, we struggled in the first inning again. But, you know, we weren't ready to panic because, you know, we struggled the first inning with McLeod. We get out of it. We struggled in the first inning with Bednar. We get out of it. We didn't get out of it on Sunday with Sarantola. And that's what was so frustrating because that first inning, they get two guys on base to open the frame – without even swinging the bat. Not even a foul ball, not a swinging strike. We went out there and we, we, we put them on base. And the sad thing about that is, is we had kind of removed the pressure from Sarantola. It's like, you know, we've already won the series. What you do is a bonus for us. And then we go out in the first inning and we put a run on the board. And it was another great job of situational hitting. Uh, Debrule gets out, Rowdy flies out, Allen's hit by the pitch, and then he's still second. And then Cam James, who was the the hitting star on Sunday, singles the ball back up the box, Tanner Allen scores. And I remember turning to Greg Campbell saying, that's big for Eric right there. We get him a lead, let him relax, and then, you know, the poor kid. I mean, goodness. I just don't know what to say. I mean, it's like it's so incredible to think, I just – I'm going to be blunt with you guys. The kid just doesn't have any mental toughness. And I don't mean to throw shade at anybody or speak negatively about our players, but I think we all kind of see it right now. We just can't trust him on the weekends. That's just how it is. It's not anything personal. It's not anything against him. It's just that he, at this point, does not have the mental fortitude to pitch SEC weekends. You know, he had a good weekend last weekend against Eastern Michigan, but there were some up-and-down moments – We hope that be behind him. And I do believe, like Chris says, pitching's contagious. You know, you see one of your buddies go out there and throw up a bunch of zeros, you think, you know what, I can do that too. I can do that too. Well, that's not what happens. And uh, it just seemed like when it began to snowball, it really did. So you walk the guy, you don't pay attention to him, you don't really hold him, he's still second. You walk another guy. And, again, not a single swing of the bat, the first two at bats, and they have runners on first and second. Uh, Foxhawk goes out and talks to the guy. We get a ground ball. Nearly got a double play there. But, um, you know, it just – it's crazy to think about how it all works. But, um, you know, the next thing you know, uh, you know, they got a couple runs without the benefit of a hit. You get a fielder's choice. You get a wild pitch. He scores. And then Dugas grounds out, another guy scores, and it's 2 1. So, all of the uh, everything that we've done, LSU hadn't had a lead all weekend long, that scored one run in 18 innings, and we gave them the run. Right? So, we gift them one run in two games, and then in the very first inning, we gift them two more. And like all of you, I was thinking, here we go again. We, we're going to blow this opportunity to sweep and really get ahead in the SEC. So we come back in the second, and, uh, you know, we're down 2-1. We go 1-2-3. grounds out, and then we hit Geo. And uh, 97 miles to the knee, he did not return for LSU. And I really like him. I think he is a really, really good player uh, for LSU. He's their regular starting center fielder and uh, had had pulled a hamstring early in the year, just kind of rounding back into shape, and Sarantola beans him in the knee. You know, it's just – It's crazy. And so Chris goes and gets him. And, um, you know, listen, it was the right call. It was. Because, listen, we're trying to win a national championship. We're trying to win a Southeastern Conference championship. We're trying to be a top eight national seed. So we don't owe anybody a job. you got to earn a job. And at this point, Eric Sarantola has not done enough to keep the job on Sundays. Jackson Fristo has. That's just the reality of it so somehow we get out of that thanks to chase patrick because chase gets a little liner out to short and then we double off the runner there but uh, there's a couple things i want to say about chase and i had this discussion in the press box so the first thing that lights up on social media is well why didn't we why aren't we bringing first in? so i'm gonna break it down we had this discussion in the press box and I thought I'm, I'm going to write some of these notes down because I think it's important to share with you guys. So Chase Patrick is a reliever. And so his makeup is much different than that of a starter. His his warm-up routine is different than that of a starter. And so he's used to kind of going out there getting loose quickly because, you know, there's you know, there's logs on the fire. You know, Fristo's different. This is a guy that takes longer to warm up. You know, he's a starter. There's things he's got to go through to kind of get ready to go extended innings. So we bring in Patrick to get the dogs on a wagon, right? And so then that gives Fristo a little longer to kind of get himself ready to come in the ballgame because we expect him to go longer, right? We expect him to come out there and eat up some innings. And so there is a process that is much different to get a starter ready. And that's what he's been doing all year long starting ball games. And so that's why you do that. You bring in Patrick to address this crisis of the moment while Fristo is getting ready to kind of handle, you know, the next few innings. That's why you do that. It's important to kind of understand that. And the the warm-up routines, the mentality of those relievers and starters, is just simply different. And so we do bring in Fristo and it and it just really kind of held the game in place. And so everybody kind of got what they wanted, right? And we, we get Sarantola out there. We give him another chance. It doesn't work out. So now Fristo's the guy. So Scotty opens up with a double to right, and really it should have been a single, but the LSU's loafing out there and right. I guess it's Dylan Cruz kind of loafing. And so Debrule takes second, and the throw's offline anyway. Uh, Rowdy then uh, grounds out, but we move the runner, and then Tanner... Does what Tanner does. Elevates the bar to the outfield. Now it's a 2 2 ball game. So it's like, you know what? We, we put Sarantola out there, but here we are now in the third inning and it's a tie ball game again. So we have survived that. We have survived that issue. And so now we've got Fristo, a fresh Fristo with a couple of innings kind of already under our belt. So you know, if he can give us four or five, then maybe he hands it over to the bullpen in the eighth or ninth inning and we got a chance to win this ball game. And I really thought he did a good job. We did not do a really good job offensively, I thought. I give A.J. Labus a lot, a lot of credit uh, for what he did. But, you know, Fristo comes in immediately gives up a single. But then we get the ground out, tap out to him, probably smart, not to not turn a double play because the ball was right in the mound. You just take the easy out there. You get a strikeout swinging. And then we get a line out uh, to Tanner Allen on a full count. And so the third inning's over. And so it's a 2-2 ball game. We're thinking, okay, we're all right. We're right where we need to be. We just need to go get some couple runs up there and not waste this effort. Well, we don't do that. You know, we get into the fourth and we go 1-2-3, and and really a lot of weak contact there. I give uh, Labus a lot of credit. He really kind of was getting under some bad angles and making us beat the ball on the ground. Uh, Fristo comes back out, matches that, gets a 1-2-3 inning in the fourth. We get out in the fifth, and it was kind of the same situation. We go one, two, three. They get a do- double. A Sanford comes in for Geo, and uh, Mitchell Sanford really looked bad against Christian McLeod. I mean, he he did not look like a Division One player. He did today. He really had a couple balls he really stayed true on, and he pushed that ball the other way, opened up the inning, and then Fristo gets around it. Even though we had a walk there, you get a fly out, and then you, you induce a double play ball. And so we kind of danced in the fire a little bit there. But Fristo shows some mental fortitude and gets out of it. So we go into six, and here we are again. Tie ball game. We have a chance. Anything that can go right here for us is helpful. And this is the heart of our order. We go one, two, three. Uh, come back into six, and we get a strikeout looking and a strikeout swinging. We're thinking, okay, we're a pitch away from getting out of this and getting the top of seven. And then we hang a slider they hit a home run and makes it three, two. We give a walk, and then we get a K to get out of it. But we're still thinking, you know, we're down a run. We're the kind of ball team that believes, you know what, we just got to stay in it, and we'll find a way to win it. Well, again, nothing happens. They bring in Floyd uh, for Labus, and I was thinking, okay, we've got this sinker ball pitcher out of here. i mean, fastball running about 88, 89, and his changeup was about a five-mile-per-hour variance. And I remember thinking to myself, I said, man, you know, I don't know if that's going to be enough to keep us off the fastball. I mean, if there's not that much of a change of pace, you know, we'll just be able to foul these balls off. We won't be out on our front foot. But he did a great job. I don't know if it, what he was doing, maybe hiding the ball or whatever. But he really was able to keep us off the fastball a little bit. We strike out all three times with Floyd in the game, and it's one, two, three. And this is when I really got concerned. I was like, you know what, We offensively, we have not done anything uh, since the third inning and then they did and that's what happens you know it's like at some point somebody's got to make the big play LSU makes it here in the seventh uh, really kind of put us in a bad spot here uh, Sanford again opens up uh, with a single back out the middle really hit the ball hard uh, we force him at second and that apartment they, they sacrifice him over they're looking for an insurance run and then Cranford grounds out Sanford goes to third and then they get a double drives in a run and then Drost hits a home run and it really at that point it felt like church was out that's kind of how it felt to me i don't know how you guys felt they put three runs up it's a six two ball game i really felt like at that point we had been so anemic offensively uh, that we were just going to have trouble catching up four runs just seemed like insurmountable to me at the time uh, we get into the eighth, and we we, we kind of make a little bit of a run at it here right forsyth k's and then leggett gets a single leggett had gone in For and he hit a solid line drive back up the middle. Rowdy walks. Now, all of a sudden, you're making a little racket here, and then Tanner Allen hits one down the line, drives in a run. you got runners at first and second. Now, all of a sudden, it's a 6-3 ball game, and the time runs at the plate. And so you're thinking, you know, we're, we're a swing away from really making this thing interesting. Cam James then flies out, and Hancock flies out, and really that's the last big threat for Mississippi State. And then LSU removed all doubt in the bottom of the eighth, scoring a couple more runs uh, to make it an 8-3 ball game. Ninth inning, you know, we kind of went with a whimper. But, uh, you know, I give them credit for coming out and salvaging the game. But here's the thing I'll tell you. We didn't lose this game because Eric Sarentola started. We didn't lose this game because people think that Chris Lamonis mismanaged a pitching staff. We lost this game because we didn't hit the baseball. Simple as that. We lost because we had opportunities offensively, and even though we did so much on Saturday to manufacture runs and we put the game away late on Friday with good offensive play, we just didn't have it on Sunday. And I get greedy too, and that's the, that's the thing. If we had won on Friday and lost on Saturday and won today, we'd have had this jubilant feeling, right? Oh man, we won a series at LSU. But when you win the first two, you feel like it's really a missed opportunity. It's like, yeah, we won the series, but we should have swept. You know, I don't know that I agree that we should have swept. I thought LSU simply outplayed us on Sunday, and I don't think it mattered that Sarantola started. I do think the Sarantola Sunday deal is over. I think Sarantola now goes to the midweek. I hate it for him. But, again, this isn't about his feelings. This is about what's best for the M over S. And, listen, we've had three years. With Eric we have and uh you know it's th- these control issues have persisted throughout the three years you hear all fall about how he's doing better he's kind of learning to pitch within himself and I had a chance to talk to Ben McDonald about him on uh, Saturday and he goes yeah I know some guys at OSU a little worried about Sarantola because he pitched so well against him in Hoover I said here's the thing Ben when he came in and pitched at Hoover the game had already been decided you know, so there's not a lot of mental stress when the game's already been decided. You're just kind of putting in work. You know, that's the thing with Saron told that we've struggled with is when when the the game is still in doubt, he struggles to kind of battle through there and be a warrior. And I think at this point, it, it, you have to basically decide: Do we want to go try and win the SEC? Do we want to go try and be a top eight national seed? do we want to really go try to make a run in an afro championship and i don't know if we're good enough offensively to do it or not but i know that our pitching will keep us in some games but if we really want to go make a run at this thing we got to address sunday pitching and to me the obvious answer is the same one you all have is jackson Fristo has won that job simple as that jackson Fristo has won the sunday job he is thrown into the fire out in Arlington. He went out there and pitched exceptionally well. I had a hitless uh, experience, if I remember correctly, a hitless outing, walk a few people. But we, had won, we have won every one of his starts. He had four starts. We won all four of them. We don't start him today, we lose the ball game. Now, I'm not going to sit here and tell you we wouldn't have, that we wouldn't have lost today if Fristo started. But I think at this point, Jackson Fristo has proven that you can trust him. Eric Santola has proven that you can't. And that's the harsh reality of it. And again, it's not anything personal, but no player is bigger than the program. Nobody is owed an at bat. Nobody's owed innings. We have to do what's best for Mississippi State baseball. And while Chris Lamonis was very diplomatic about it on Sunday, I have absolutely no doubt when we get ready to go play Arkansas next weekend. It's going to be Christian McLeod, Will Bednar, and Jackson Fristo. And we all know it. That gives us the best chance to win the series and possibly sweep. That's what it's going to be. We get ready to go play one in 15 team against North Alabama on Tuesday. Maybe you throw Sarantola then. I don't know. I don't know if he's ever going to be able to be a factor for us on the weekends. He may end up being a Brandon Woodruff guy that has to develop into minors. But we can't sacrifice this season. We can't sacrifice what's possibly available to us to make sure that Eric Sarantola gets his innings. Life just doesn't work that way. It doesn't work that way for me. It doesn't work that way for you. Nobody is owed that. And not to mention, Jackson Fristo has just simply proven to be the better option on Sunday. So that's where we stand. And uh, the polls will be out on Monday. And listen, had we won today, I have no doubt we'd be number one in the country. You know, Vanderbilt loses at home to South Carolina a team that got trounced last weekend. So Arkansas has lost, what, three games in the last week? So there will be a new number one. It very easily could have been Mississippi State. You know, there's probably some people out there that may vote for us, number one, because we went on the road and won at LSU. And everybody in college baseball knows how how big that is. So Vanderbilt wins two out of three at home. We won two out of three on the road. But in some polls, they were ahead of us. You know, maybe Baseball America takes us to number one. I don't know. I think Vandy is probably the trendy pick because of lighter throwing the no-hitter. So that's kind of how I see it. And at the end of the day, uh, baseball rankings in March don't mean a whole lot. I know it's something to talk about, and we certainly want to be ranked high because we think that keeps us in contention, and I think it also, too, kind of keeps us honest. But the bottom line is is whether we're number one, number two, number three, number four tomorrow – Uh, that's not going to change who goes to Omaha. We just got to keep playing hard. And and I think, again, we figured some things out this weekend. I think we figured out Braylon Skinner is our everyday left fielder. I think we can all agree with that. That's not to say that Cumbus and Drew McGowan and those guys don't get some at-bats at times, but I think Braylon is our best option left field. Had he not broken his hand, he would have been your opening day left fielder, if not your center fielder. So you've identified that and now you've identified your third starter and now you know there's no questions the lineup is settled the rotation is settled now let's go win the sec now let's get ready for the top 10 list uh, brought to you by dr robert yarborough you guys are well aware with robert by now a longtime friend of mine a guy that's done a great job for many years kind of helping people uh with ear nose and throat stuff right i mean it's like this is what he specializes in if you're one of those people that deals with this chronic sinus pain there's always like issues with that there's always post nasal drip it's not as simple as taking zyrtec it's not as simple as treating this over the counter it may be a symptom of a bigger problem you have two locations to serve you here Stargle and tupelo he is a bulldog through and through and i believe in doing business with bulldogs whenever you can He takes care of all ear nose and throat problems and he's a local guy that's going to treat you right he's not part of some you know some big corporation somewhere where your money's going to leave the community sinus problems come in ear nose and throat problems children adults everything he can handle all of that 910 stark road in stark vegas 618 Peacock Drive in tupelo one number to call two locations to serve you one number to call give him a call today 662 844-6513 844-6513 again 662 all right today's top 10 list we're going back to the 90s mid-90s kind of a post-grunge era and this is a band and roy is now i've talked about this roy says uh you know there's some people that are going to love this list and some people are going to hate it uh, i love the list and i think most people will and i think it's kind of a guilty pleasure i think some people I kind of started hating on this band just because the tide kind of turned because they didn't really like the lead singer. Let me also share with you guys, too. I want to thank you guys for your prayers and support for Roy's dad. Got the word right before I recorded the show, Roy's dad's at home now. It looked really bleak last week, and you guys stepped up to the plate, and you sent some positive vibes, prayers, and support their way. And Roy's dad's a fighter. And, uh, you know, there was a time last week that we thought, you know, perhaps that uh, Roy will be planning a funeral but instead, Roy planned a homecoming, and his dad is home. So, Roy, we're we're all with you. The Boneyard families, with you, and your family wish you guys the best. So, top ten Creed songs today. Top ten Creed songs today, and you can uh, kind of you can unbristle your uh, your eyes now because uh, we're about to salute Creed and uh, Mark Tremonti. And, and most people don't realize this. You know, Alter Bridge is basically Creed with a new singer, Miles Kennedy. So here you go, top 10 Creed songs. Number 10, Are You Ready? And it seems like that was everywhere. It seemed like it was on a wrestling theme and all kind of stuff like that. Are You Ready? was on it's sports shows, everything else. Number 9, off of, uh, I guess it's weather. Maybe it's full circle. The song is Rain. And uh, we actually play that at a Dirty Noble during rain delays. Number 8, the one that really started it all, Torn, off of My Own Prison. That's a great album. If you're unfamiliar with it, I'd encourage you to go back and listen to it. Number seven, uh, what's this life for? I've always kind of dug this song. I think there's some one-liners in there that really make a lot of sense. You know, like we all live under the reign of one king. I can't say that I care for all the language when it comes to that, but I do like that song. Number six, one of the hardest songs in the catalog, it's What If. What If, and that's off Human Clay. Uh, number five, Off Weathered is My Sacrifice. This is a song that we played regularly in pregame game of Duty Noble. I don't know why we stopped. Number four, Can You Take Me Higher? I've always loved the line in this one, um, let's ask, can we stay? You know, I, I just, I've always felt that song was somewhat inspirational. And uh, there's just so much in that one that I really like lyrically. Number three, and this, to me, this is the best Mark Tremonti song in the Creed catalog. It's one. I love the opening riff of this. I like how different it is. There's like a little bounce to this song. It's unlike anything else that they've done. Now we get to the final two songs, and I think most people would agree these are the top two Creed songs. Number two is very personal to me, and I imagine a lot of people feel this way. And uh, this came, this song came out when Ani, my oldest son, uh, was born, and uh, I felt this song so deeply when it came out the very first time that i heard it it's almost like i had written the song because i had been through such a you know, sort of a crisis in my life you know i'd been in jail i'd been in rehab uh, had some horrible relationships probably should see therapy for all that kind of stuff but uh but the line in this song when he wrote this song about his kid you know because he found out that his girlfriend was pregnant or whatever and um you know the, I just got the news today. Seems my life is going to change. I was experiencing all that at the same time this song was out, and it's um, with arms wide open. And the whole part about you know about his about his summary says, "I hope he's not like me." That's exactly how I felt because I was so hurt at the time and so angry at the world. And I was like, you know, I want my son to to embrace life and see the beauty in life because I had seen so much of the ugliness in life, and so it means a lot to me even to this day when I hear this song I always think about that time in my life and uh, I'm so grateful that I'm a much happier person today and a lot of that's because of my children so number two with arms wide open but number one and it's the one for me because to me it's so much about it's about addiction it's about pain it's about self-inflicted wounds and the song is my own prison you know I created my own prison And that's exactly how I felt. And so, so much of these songs to me are almost biographical for me. And so that's why uh, they resonate with me. I hope you enjoyed the list. Roy will have the list on Spotify. Uh, We've got a good list now, some other songs we wanna do, some other bands that we're gonna do. One of the things I'm kinda kicking around is doing the top 10 list, kinda like the soundtrack of my life. You know, it's like I always think... I remember a time when that song was my favorite song as a kid. and When we used to go to the skating rink, I loved this song. Or when I was a teenager and we used to ride around and, and, uh, and scope for women, this was my favorite song. You know, and so I thought about, you know what, that would be a good thing to put together. And so if I do that, I also want to know yours. I want to know the soundtrack of your life. Because I think there's so much about that with music that takes you to a time and place. Uh, there, there are some songs that, like it's so weird i can put some songs on and it's almost like i can remember smells i can remember feelings i can remember people It just takes you to a time and place it's like a time machine so it when we do the the time machine of my life i'm going to put that out there and even if we don't publicize yours and maybe we will do some of them if you're okay with it i'd love to know the songs that kind of define your life i really would i, I enjoy that kind of stuff i think it helps us get to know each other but I hope you enjoy the list. If you have ideas for the top 10 list, reach out, let me know. I'm on all forms of social media, at ScoutSteveR. I had a chance, too, over the weekend to uh, to run into Little Doggy out of Texas, one of our paid subscribers. Saw him and his crew there in Baton Rouge, he and his lovely wife. and uh, We were at walk-ons, we were eating, had a great time, and uh, they came up and got a chance to visit. That's one of the cool things, too, that I love. But when we're on the road, I see, I see Maroon. I know that I'm among family. And uh, so, little doggy, appreciate you coming out and saying hello, sitting, visiting with us for a while. Hope you guys had a safe trip back to Houston. Hope to see you guys again, again real, real soon. All right, let's go, kind of move ahead in the show. Campus Bookmart, longtime sponsors of this show. I am going to be there at Campus Bookmart this Saturday. I'm doing a book signing at Campus Bookmart this Saturday from 10 to 2, excuse me, 10 to 12. 10 to 12 on Saturday. I'll have to uh, I'll have to scoot on over to Duty Noble Field pretty quickly there. But uh, so book signing this Saturday before the Arkansas game at Campus Bookmart. Come by, say hello, come get some books, uh, come get some Mississippi State merch, all your M over S stuff right there at Campus Bookmart. You can get jerseys there, you can get everything you need to get outfitted for spring right at Campus Bookmart. If you can't make it to town, Visit them on the World Wide Web at CampusBookmark.net, and by being a loyal Bone Yard listener, we'll give you a phrase that pays: BSR, which stands for Beautiful Steve Robertson, and that'll get you free shipping on all orders over fifty bucks. Any orders less than fifty dollars, absolutely incomplete. Campus Bookmark, stand the man, Miss Kathy, everybody up there—they're great people. They'll treat you well. Go by, check them out again. CampusBookmark.net promo code. BSR. let's talk a little basketball because there is still men's basketball to be played involving Mississippi State University I told you guys I wouldn't be surprised if we won that ball game and I think a lot of us because St. Louis may have been pouting a little bit and I believe your Bulldogs were so elated to have a chance to go play that we saw a really good effort from them and listen St. Louis made it interesting late but I really felt like State for the most part was in charge of this game I didn't get a chance to watch it all when we got into the press box, we watched the second half. I had one of you guys come up and speak to me as we were going into an um, Alex box. He said, hey, do you think we're going to blow this lead in the second half? And I was like, hey, are we still up? And he's like, yeah. So we immediately kind of got in there and turned it on and had a chance to watch the Bulldogs play. And I thought DJ was really good down the stretch. But uh, Cam Matthews, an absolute monster on defense late. And uh, that was so huge for us. I think it's pretty safe to say we don't win that ball game without ken matthews i mean really so let's run it down here real quick 74 68 winners we had a seven point lead at the half uh would they do outscore us by one in the second half but we uh we made our free throws one of our better free throw shooting uh nights of the year 18 of 23. really good job there and we were able to kind of get some things on the interior uh dj with a very cool 20 points 34 minutes of action five of 12 from the floor three of four from three needed every one of those four rebounds six assists we did turn it over a little bit there dj got to do a little better job there iverson molinar pretty clean stat line for him too 37 minutes six of 14 from the floor didn't make a three but seven of eight from the line pulled down three rebounds just a one foul two assists zero turnovers like to see that. Derek Fountain, I thought he provided some energy late too. 32 minutes for him, four or five from the floor, knocked down a couple big threes, pulled down three rebounds, uh, had a block and three steals, and the block was one of those emphatic ones as well. Tolu Smith, 19 minutes, got into some foul trouble there, uh, four or seven from the floor, six rebounds. Uh, did have an assist and a couple of steals in just the eight points. Abdul Adu do some inspired basketball. Again, never a really prolific offensive player. But in 31 minutes, uh, he did make a basket, two of four from the line, pulled down seven rebounds, altered several shots, zero blocks. But it just kind of felt like he was the rim protector even when he couldn't get there. Devion Smith, a big dunk late. And it really, really needed some lift. And he gave it to us uh, eight points. Cam Matthews scored one basket in 18 minutes but again I don't know if we win without him six rebounds a couple of assists and a couple of steals and it seemed like every time State needed a stop late it was Cam Matthews getting the thing done so congratulations to Ben Howland they upset a one seed I understand that uh, three of the four one seeds in the NIT were already eliminated We'd like to congratulate Louisiana Tech for being one of those teams, uh, you know, taking down one of the more overrated teams in a tournament in Ole Miss. Uh, Louisiana Tech has owned Ole Miss as of late. They they win a ball game last Sunday on the baseball diamond or, or, on Tuesday and then uh, beat them in the NIT. Maybe Ole Miss should hire some PIs to follow the Louisiana Tech coaches around since that's kind of their thing. So now the Bulldogs will get ready to go play Richmond on Thursday. You know, it's like... This is a perfect time for us because hey, we're going to get ready to play SEC baseball on Friday, Saturday, Sunday. So we'll play baseball Tuesday. We'll get Wednesday off. You guys can go to prayer meeting, and then we'll uh, we'll play some basketball on Thursday and have a chance to go to Madison Square Garden with a win. How cool would that be? Bulldogs now sixteen and fourteen overall, and now win away from Madison Square Garden again. With we've been there a couple times. Let's take a look at Richmond real quick, and if we get in a Wednesday show, we'll do a more extensive preview. We will play this game at the uh, North Texas Coliseum there in Denton Texas so if you're in the area I know that the uh, Mississippi State crowd uh, the, the the team would love for the crowd and you guys to be there and be a part of all that So let's real quickly kind of look at uh, kind of what we're up against I'll be honest with you the Richmond uh, official site uh, leaves a lot to be desired but uh, but here we are let's look at men's basketball the spiders. 14 and 8 overall and that's going to kind of be the case for everybody right I mean nobody's going to have just some runaway record uh, 14 and 8 overall they finished 6 and 5 in their league they uh, running down a schedule here real quick they, they 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 beat Vanderbilt on the road in Nashville uh, they even beat Kentucky earlier this year so they have some experience with some SEC teams they're not going to be the least bit intimidated to come play us even on a neutral floor uh, so it's important to kind of get ready for a good challenge from them. Uh, they did lose to uh, St. Louis this year. They advanced in the NIT by knocking off Toledo, seventy-six to sixty-six. And again, we'll have a more extensive preview on Wednesday. But it's good to still be playing. Listen, I get it. I know a lot of people say, "Well, Steve, the NIT is embarrassment." I don't think so. I think as young as this team is. You know, we needed some time together. We needed something good to happen. And I don't care if we made it by default or we made it because some other teams opted out. The bottom line is that we did it. And we're getting a chance to do some positive things to kind of build upon for next year. And listen, i got to commend Ben Howland. I mean, really do. I've been real critical of Ben at times this year. And uh, listen, I still think offensively, I don't understand what we're doing. But it doesn't matter as long as the players do. But I felt like this team really had some fight in them down the stretch. Of the season, and then when things got a little dicey late against St. Louis, we made the plays to win the game. And it would be very easy, you know, for a team that you know what, hey, we're in the NIT, so what? It'd be so easy for them to go through the motions, but they didn't do that. And I think that says a lot about Ben and his staff. And I'm going to give them credit, uh, NIT win or not, because it's like. There's some other people that would talk so poorly of us or being in the NIT that were eliminated in their game in the NIT, and that's those folks up in Oxford. And I know so many of you uh, live for their approval. I am not one of them. But I'm happy that Ben Howland and them are still playing. And how nice would it be for us to win this game against Richmond and these guys, especially Abdul do have a chance to go take a nice trip somewhere and go to, you know, do some cool things and end this season on a very positive note. Those are the things I look at. and I said, you know, this is a really cool thing here. And uh, the fact is we're still playing. And as long as they're going to let us play, let's go try to win, right? That's how it should be. That's how we all feel. And I think that there is – we're kind of in this – maybe maybe we're in an era of healing just a little bit. I think once we kind of got over the thing, okay, Ben Howen's going to be back, and then all of a sudden we start winning some games, and then we're thinking, well, maybe this will be Okay. I want this to be okay. I mean, there are times that I've been very tired of Ben Howland, and it's not a personal thing. I want Mississippi State to win, and there are times that I have doubted that Ben Howland's going to be able to get us to win. But I do think down the stretch, and if you look at the last 10 games or so, you know, we've played pretty well. I mean, save that blowout to Alabama in the SEC tournament, we've played really well. I mean, I mean just think about this for a second here. Let's go back and look. It is kind of down the stretch here. After the debacle where we lost to Vanderbilt and Starkville, we got absolutely shelled in that ball game. We beat Ole Miss in Oxford, which was huge. We absolutely drilled South Carolina. We play Alabama to win five points. We go on the road and win at at College Station. We lose to Auburn, 78-71. Then we beat Kentucky, and then we get blown out by Alabama, and then we find a way to beat St. Louis. And so, yeah, there's been some up and down, but the teams that down the stretch that we've lost to are quality teams, and outside of that Vanderbilt game, I mean there wasn't a really embarrassing loss in there. you look at it and say, you know what we just you know we were completely uh you know oblivious to what was going on around us i think we we' kind of just i think Alabama had kind of figured out that they needed to do some things differently, and you know give Nate Oates and his group credit, you know they that they may be in the final four when it's all said and done but Again, it is the NIT, but I'm giving Ben Howen credit for having his team ready to go because they easily could have just melded it in and, and we could be home. And But we're still playing men's basketball. So again, credit to the Bulldogs. All right, listen, if you're looking to make your move to Starkville, there's, look no further than Portico. Brooks Bryan, great friend of mine, great friend of yours, uh, will do a great job for you. Brooks and I have talked about this several times. So if you're looking to maybe have an investment property in Starkville or a weekend getaway, or you know, maybe you want to make your primary residence here in Starkville, look no further than Portico. Right off Garrett Road, so you come off 82, and you turn on the 12, like going to campus, 1.1 miles before you get to campus, you take that right, right there on Pat Station Road, lead you to Garrett Road behind the Chrysler Jeep dealership, that's your new home. It's so close, for those those of you that run, you can run to campus. You run that one mile to campus, run the loop, run the mile home. That's simple. And it's a lot of fun running on campus too. And listen, there's only a few houses left in phase one. So if you've been kind of putting off calling Brooks, now's the time to call. And you say, you know what, Steve, now's not the right time for us. Maybe we're going to do it after the kids get out of school. Probably smart to go ahead and start talking because phase two of construction's underway or about to get underway. And so if you're looking to be up here for next school year, probably best to go ahead and start doing your due diligence. Like what I've seen, like what I've heard, uh, Brooks will treat you right. I believe in doing business with Bulldogs whenever you can, and you should too. Give Brooks a call today. He's going to have a home for every size family, every situation, two-bedroom, two-bath, four-bedroom, four-bath, big house, small house, uh, blue house, green house, whatever. Anything you need, he can take care of you there. 601-416-8075. Again, 601-416-8075. Make Portico your next move. All right, let's talk a little recruiting. There is a name that you guys need to be familiar with, and I put a crystal ball pick in today. I give uh, Paul Jones some credit. Paul kind of beat me to the punch here. Uh, And, of course, with me, we're doing baseball. Paul's doing a good job for us kind of keeping up on all things recruiting. Joshua White. Defensive end, four star defensive end, composite four-star guy. Two, four star guy. 247 actually hasn't rated 88. He's an industry composite of 91. 6'4, 240 from Cedar Grove High School there in Decatur, Georgia. And you know, we're also recruiting uh, Malachi Madison from that same neck of the woods. Uh, this kid from uh, Columbia High School. But, uh, you know, state's over there kind of chasing things. And so, uh, double digit offer sheet. State, Arkansas, Auburn, Florida, Georgia, many others. And we're right there in the mix. Now, I don't know exactly when he's going to make the call, but I'm told it's close. I'm told that he is the guy that will make the call sooner rather than later. I like what I'm hearing here. Simple as that. You know, I get some tidbits and said, hey, listen, hearing something's brewing with this guy, you start reaching out and talking to some people and said, yeah, this, this is probably going to happen. And so now all of a sudden I'm excited about Josh White. I mean, he is one of those guys that you begin to think, okay, we've got to go out and kind of replenish the developmental pipeline the defensive line. We know we're going to sign a full defensive line this year. We feel like that we've got a handful of guys in state that we're in a pretty good position with. But we've got to supplement a little bit out of state. So we're looking to do that. Josh White, that's a name to remember. Composite four-star defensive end there at Cedar Grove in Georgia. Not sure of the time frame. Pretty confident at this point about where things are headed. I really believe right now if he makes a call sooner rather than later, as expected, this is going to be Mississippi State. So what does that mean for Malachi? Not exactly sure. We're expected to sign two defensive ends two defensive tackles. We've got some guys in state we're doing well with as well. The guy on the interior that I keep hearing the most about is Xavier Harris out of Germantown. I'm also told he's in no hurry to make a decision. He's also got a lot of people in his ear saying, oh, you need to give Alabama a shot, you need to do that. And listen, with all this talk about them opening up potential unofficial visits this summer, there are going to be some guys that delay a decision because they haven't been able to go anywhere for over a year. They hadn't been able to go to junior days. They weren't able to go to camps. They weren't able to go to ball games last year unless they bought a ticket like the general public. And listen, there are going to be some guys on campuses for spring games because it is open to the public. You don't have to sell tickets. You don't have to provide tickets. I mean, anybody can walk in. So they can't interact with coaches. They can't go to the seal complex or get a free meal. But there's nothing to stop players from being able to attend a spring game. So you're going to see – some of your favorite recruits go to spring games at Mississippi State, Ole Miss, and other places. That's going to happen. That needs to happen. Many of these young student athletes are basically kind of flying blind when they make a decision. And so I think you're going to see Josh White and Malachi Madison and many of those guys make a trip to Starkville just to kind of get a sense of what the facilities are like. i long say, well, go over there. It's not just going over there to go get coffee and kind of ride around and, and look at the lay of the land. Yeah, I can go watch the team play. I can go watch and see, you know, what does what the, the guys in front of me on the depth chart look like? What kind of competition am I facing? So that's a step in the right direction. You know, of course, the NCAA will not allow those guys to, you know, to have their, their gas money reimbursed. They have to come at their own expense, but at least they're getting a chance to come do that. They can spend the day on campus and, you know, just kind of interact with people as long as they don't talk to coaches. You know, the coaches are the ones that have to hold up the rules there. But the kids have a chance to come in. They can sit in Davis Wade Stadium. They can watch a team practice. They can enjoy the spring game. They can then leave and uh, go to Bulldog Burger Company and go to Campus Book Mart look around and kind of get a feel for our town. And so that excites me because I think that is a good thing for the student athlete. I think that's lost in all of this. Because all we all think about is, oh, well, this team's cheating, that team's cheating. You know, the student athletes have been cheated out of a lot of the experiences that they have in the recruiting process in every sport. You know, they miss the excitement of kind of going up there and buying that T-shirt and driving around and meeting with a coach and having somebody say, "Hey, listen, we really want you to come be a part of our program." It's one thing to do it virtually. It's another thing to sit across a desk from the person that's going to be making out the lineup and hear them tell you how important you are to them. It's just a different dynamic. You know, we are we are social creatures, and so we want to be around other people. Uh, sometimes I don't want to, but uh, but you understand in your recruiting process, it's about relationship building. And so while that is still somewhat arrested as far as face-to-face, I think allowing these players to be able to come to spring games is big. And so that's one of the things you're going to need to be watching in the weeks to come is we, through me and Paul Jones and Mitch White, begin to ask these young people, what spring games are you are going to? What are you planning to go do? And you're going to we'll start putting lists together of people that are going to be here and some guys won't make it and some will that we aren't expecting but that is an important part of this process and i think there are a lot of people out there that are well aware of this and mississippi state is a campus that doesn't necessarily sell itself online you need to come experience it for yourself and i think that's huge for mississippi state is having a chance to get people on campus when our fans are here so they can kind of interact and enjoy the experience not that we encourage any uh, donor to uh, prospect type involvement but to be able to sit in the stands hear the cowbells and kind of get a sense of what it's like on game day. is pretty cool. So, if you're contemplating or you're on the fence about coming to the spring game, let me encourage you to do that because for many of these student athletes, it's the first time they've been able to experience anything Mississippi State related. And so, let's try to give them as much of that as we can. Come to the baseball game if you can. If you're not interested in that, at least come for a spring game and have a chance to see what Rodgers and those guys throw around a little bit because I think you know, the Mississippi State family needs to show up uh, and be loud and proud with those cowbells I mean, encouraged if you hadn't done so i get messages every single week it's like steve what's the link what's the link to order the stark villain shirts and, and listen I, i've been told too uh there has been a run here as of late on stark villain shirts and uh, they're a little bit backed up and so thanks for that but if you're looking for shirts give them a little time uh i text jason friday and they had to order some more shirts so they're getting all that taken care of. So if you're looking for Stark Villains gear, go to StarkVillains.com. If you need Stark Villains to book, go to AlphadogsTheBook.com, and you can get Alphadogs, Stark Villains, and Flimflam. What's amazing, sometimes I'll meet people, and they say, hey, that's the guy that wrote Flimflam." Flam. Yeah, I wrote a couple other books, too, and then I tell them, like, oh, I didn't know. So, yeah, sometimes we get to the end of the show, and I talk about it, and people think, oh... I need to get that. Yes, you do. Go to alphadogsthebook.com today. You get personalized copies of Flim Flam, Stark Villains, and Alpha Dogs. And I'm going to write another Mississippi State book next year. About to finish up the poetry book. I've got a couple small stories, short stories I'm going to put in the book. And uh, we'll have that book out to you uh, here in a couple months. Looking forward to that too. Kind of ready to get done with it so I can kind of let my mind rest a little bit. So I want to enjoy college baseball season. I think we're going to have a great year. Looking forward to having you guys on campus. We'll be back with you on Wednesday. Hope you enjoyed the show today and hope you have a great week. But until next time, let's all live our lives in a way we make more friends than enemies and people can see a difference in the way we live. Everybody in your crew identifies as either Big Mac Burger, McNuggets, or McCrispy Sandwich. But you're the filet fish Sandwich all day. That crispy fish, that savory tartar sauce, that melty cheese, that pillowy bun. Yeah, you get it